Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Hello, lovely listeners. If you're finding value in what you're hearing today, make sure to head over to the show notes. Not only will you find more details on today's topic, but you'll also get an exclusive invitation to join my free Facebook group, Awakened Souls. This community is perfect for women who are either super curious or currently journeying through recovery. Being part of Awakened Souls offers a supportive environment where you can connect with like-minded women, all working towards an alcohol-free lifestyle. Plus... There are special free gifts waiting inside the show notes, (laughs) curated specifically to empower and assist you on your journey. And if you're loving the content, I'd be so grateful if you take a moment to rate this podcast. Your feedback helps me continue bringing you the conversations and insights you love. Let's keep the momentum going. And remember, you are not alone on this journey. I am here to help you every step of the way. Today, we're thrilled to have an extraordinary guest, Megan North. Megan is a distinguished coach, facilitator, and speaker, renowned for guiding women in business to conquer overwhelm and achieve optimal mental health, wellness, and balance. With over 20 years of experience and having mentored over 10,000 professionals, Megan brings a unique blend of practical strategies and empathetic support. Let's dive into her journey and explore the transformative tools and insights she offers. Megan North, (laughs) it's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for joining my show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be having a conversation with you today. I've been really looking forward to it. And I've been loving all of your uh, conversations that you've been having recently. So thanks for having me. Of course. And if you notice, I have many of them from Australia. (laughs) So so excited to have you on. It's great. It's great. All the Aussies are coming on board. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, can you share with us the turning point in your career that actually led you to become a health and wellness coach, especially focusing on mental health? Absolutely. So I had um, a pretty tough year in 2014 and I am the youngest of six children. So a very close family and we lost our mum both suddenly and unexpectedly in 2014 and I thank you thank you bless her Um, and I was dealing with quite a few things at that time I had been divorced for a few years um, and I was still coming to terms with that my ex-husband who is still a friend of mine he was in a new relationship I was still single I had some financial issues going on and then dealing with the grief of losing my mum. And I realised that the overwhelm was enormous and I also realised that when I was dealing with this, I felt like I there was a lot of feelings of shame, failure, 
Um, I'm not good enough. Why is this happening to me? I can't talk to anybody about this. No one understands what I'm going through. So I internalised a lot of things. And at the end of 2014, I was pretty much at my breaking point. And so I had a beautiful spiritual moment with my mum, actually, which was really beautiful. And I had a moment with her that I realised that only I could move myself out of this situation. It was up to me. And then I had this revelation. It was quite an interesting evening. I had a revelation of I could lead myself out of this and I've got 20 odd years of leadership experience. Why not use all of these tools that I've got in my toolkit, in my little bag that I carry everywhere and actually start to use some leadership tools for myself to move myself through this. And so I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I created a tool called Leading Self and that helped me to start on my journey. Now, the interesting thing is about all of this is that a couple of years prior to 2014, I actually stopped drinking alcohol and that actually triggered me into, I think, a, a dark place because the alcohol was no longer there to mask anything that I was feeling and dealing with. And I, always, I, I when I reflect on it, it's quite interesting because it's almost ironic that the cleaner I got and the clearer I got, the worse I got for a moment because you you realise how much alcohol, particularly if you're using it as a, a mask or you're using it just to ignore things, can actually, uh, when you take that away, everything sort of comes to the surface and you, you've got no choice but to deal with it. So 2014 was a really tough year for me, but actually there was a crack and a break at the end of it that actually then moved me into where I could start on my journey to to heal myself and um, to get help. So, yeah, and look, I'm still on the journey. I, you know, I, I, I still I work on myself a lot and I do a lot of work on myself, but um, that was that was the turning point for me. And I stayed in HR for quite a few years after that, but my it was not until probably the last couple of years that I started to get real focus on how else can I use my lived experience to then help others um, and how can I step out of the HR world and sort of become a coach and a mentor, which is something that I really did every day of my life anyway in HR. You are a coach and a mentor to people. So I've now sort of shifted my focus and also then how do I bring the mental health piece into it as well and and to and become an advocate for that. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, 2014 also was a very challenging year for me. That is the year that my my first husband, because I'm remarried now and a much better marriage than my first, uh, when he decided just to leave and take my son because my behavior, because I was drinking so much, was irrational. I was very aggressive. I was manipulative. I was just accusing him. I was very delusional at that time. And I was just drinking very heavily. And also, I I remember that later on that year is that the first time I actually admitted that I was an alcoholic, because I had this is it's so interesting talking about this, because literally in 2014, Thanksgiving Day, that's when I said, okay, I'm an alcoholic, I need help. Because I went to my brother's home for Thanksgiving and I had the shakes and I couldn't, I'm like, I need alcohol, like right away. Like when my body needed it for me to just to be 
normal. That's when I knew I'm like, okay, this is not good because I felt very ill without it. And I just thought I had a high tolerance, but that wasn't the case. And so I actually checked myself into rehab in December um, that that same year. So 2014 was a difficult year for me as well. And um, like you, you know, we get out of it and we lead ourselves. Our spirit actually leads us to amazing things when we're ready. When, <laughs> when yeah. we're like, you know, we're ready to listen because I think, like you said, we we I masked all my emotions, everything with alcohol, and it does look ugly when we get try to get sober and then really start thinking about everything. It's like, oh, it's ugly and it's horrible and it makes me very sick. But I'm so happy that you are doing what you're doing now and actually helping people. Now, so you worked in HR. That's amazing. Mm. So you are like a mentor and coach for everyone because I know that I needed when I, I had to tell my work, like, hey, I need to go to rehab, you know, HR was very supportive and loving and really just supported me in my decision. And of course, I kept my job, <laughs> you know, at the time, because I yeah. was getting sober. So yes, thanks so much yeah. for sharing that. No, now, no yeah. So um, what do you notice as far as like challenges that you observed among like high performing women in business? Because I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. And they say that they either procrastinate or they just are overwhelmed. <laughs> How do you address these in your coaching? So the first thing that I always do is my first session with any new client is let's identify the source of your overwhelm. And so often it can someone can think it's one thing, but actually then it's something completely different. And that's why I think it's really important that we dig on that and we delve very deep into it because we, I think it's when you can identify it and when you can name something and go, oh, okay, let's shine the light on that. Then I actually think it helps my clients to go, number one, okay, we've got a focus area, but number two, really, this isn't, this isn't as bad as what you think is in your head as well. And so I talk about this client that I had of mine earlier this year and she, she, she's a doctor, she has two young boys, she's got a husband and she was feeling really overwhelmed in the mornings and the boys were crazy manic and, and, and just the house was always really crazy for her. And she had it in her head that she needed to get up at 5 a.m. every morning to be able to journal, do a meditation, do this, do that, da, 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 you know. So as, as we identified that as, okay, well, that's the main source of her overwhelm, it was really interesting that the overwhelming thing was actually her putting pressure on herself that she needed to get up at 5 a.m. So it wasn't actually all the things that she needed to do. It was that pressure she was putting on herself about the 5 a.m. So as we went through our sessions, probably about mm, four or five sessions in because what we do is I people call them goals but I like to call them experiments because we are experimenting what's working what what isn't and so at least if it's an experiment and it doesn't work my clients don't feel like they've failed whereas if we say let's set a goal and it doesn't work it's got a different feel to it so um, we set experiments and about four or five weeks in, she realized that her sweet spot was 6.30 in the morning. And that took so much pressure off her because it wasn't this horrifying, oh my gosh, I've got to be up at five o'clock. 
But what it also did was had this beautiful knock-on effect in her home because she was waking up naturally at 6.30. She wasn't feeling stressed or pressured because the night before she started to put some things in place where that she didn't need to do it the next morning. And so she could get up and she was relaxed and the house completely changed because she was relaxed and not overwhelmed anymore so it's it's really interesting that if we can identify that first in that first session what is the, the source of the overwhelm it it makes it a lot easier for us to work through and and then things change right so we identified that and it was like okay so now we've got that in place what now could what else is overwhelming you because it may just be one thing or two or three as she got clarity, then she realized that there was other things that we needed to work on. Wow. Yes. And you'd think like sometimes when we have these morning routines that is supposed to make us less stressed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so interesting. Like, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. Then she's like, oh, it's adding more pressure to her. You know, he's like, I have to wake up to get this done. So this could be orderly in the household. And like, not mm-hmm. everyone is for 5 a.m. You know, I always say, yes, uh-huh. have a morning routine, but it doesn't have to be at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. Yeah. It's whatever exactly. works for you. And I love that you brought up the whole experiment because we are experimenting with ourselves. We got to see yeah. what works and what doesn't work, right? <laughs> so- exactly. Yeah. And I think, and I think that that's one of the things, I think that's why clients like working with me because we work through it together. Like I'm on the journey with them. I, I don't want to profess that I'm the expert here and that I'm going to tell you what to do. In fact, when I do a discovery call at, at the beginning, I always ask them, how do you want to work together? And if they say to me, I just want you to tell me what to do, I'm saying, sorry, I don't think we can work together because that's not my job. Because if you if it doesn't work, you're going to blame me. And actually, this is your journey, not mine. I'm your cheerleader. I'm the person standing beside you and we're walking through this together. And so I think that um, it's, you know, we... I'm not here to tell you what you need to do. I'm here to help you discover and let's learn. Now I can share some ideas and maybe some things that have worked with other clients or myself, but that's not my role. My role is really just to be a support person and accountability partner and to actually be on the journey with you. And I'm very, I'm very firm about that, that I don't want people to think, okay, yeah, I'm qualified, da-da-da-da-da. But really, it's it's still your journey. This is it's really got nothing to do with me. I'm kind of just the facilitator for you. Yeah, so they've heard it's like, I'm not going to change you. You're going to change yourself. <laughs> I'm just oh, here to support yeah. you and get, make you have accountability. <laughs> yeah, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's exactly right. Yeah, I can't, I can't make you do something if you don't want to do it. And that's the other thing too, is that I always say to my clients, the fact that you have booked in, you've paid for, and you've invested in yourself, you're already halfway through your journey. You've made that decision. It's this when you're sitting back and you're constantly contemplating all the time, okay, yeah, you've got some awareness of it. But once you've, once you've booked in and we start this journey, you're already halfway there. So yeah, it, it's that, that to me, that's a big step for a client. Oh yeah. Because they're, yeah. they've, they've realized that they're worth it. They're worth that investment. You know, they're worth, you know, taking that next step in their lives, going to that next level and asking for help because it's very difficult to ask for help. I'm noticing a lot of people like, 
the biggest challenge I have is to ask for help. I'm like, but it's the most important thing because people may think they're weak because of it. I'm like, no, no, no. That is a sign of strength. <laughs> Believe yeah. me. Yeah. And I think that that, I don't know whether it's just a genetic thing for us as women, but we do feel like a, a big source of overwhelm for a lot of my clients is that they feel like they have to do everything. They've got to be the mother, the wife, the sister, the aunt, the daughter, the corporate person, the running that, you know, there's, and so that's where that overwhelm just stacks on top of each other. And, and, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether it's a DNA thing or whether it's the way that we're brought up, but we do feel like that we need to take on everything and then we struggle to ask for help. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And going back to what you were saying about how your client family was actually doing much better because she was doing much better. And it's so true. And mommy is good. <laughs> the whole family benefits from <laughs> her good energy. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And, and I know that, like, I don't, I don't have children. Um, and my, I'm now remarried as well. Um, and my husband's children are all grown up and got their own lives. So we have a pretty relaxed, lovely life, the two of us. But um, I, uh, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm also very aware that I don't have children. So I don't want to be telling my clients what I think they should be doing because I don't that that's another reason why I switched into group coaching so that then I've got a community of women who are supporting each other as well as I'm on the journey but then there's women who can also talk to them about you know what they do or some tips and tricks because you know I I have no right to tell someone who's got children what I think they should do but I know myself that when I'm in a great place my relationship is in a great place because, you know, there's harmony and there's balance. So you're right. It, it's when we do the work on ourselves, it, it's like a rip. It's like dropping a pebble in the ocean, in the, you know, in the river and you've got that ripple effect. It completely changes everything. And one of the things that I think is really interesting that I work with my clients about is boundaries. Mm. So we're not always great at setting firm boundaries and one of the things that um, I talk to them about when I'm talking about this ripple effect is be prepared that once you start putting strong boundaries in place, your relationship with some people may change. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, when you get strong boundaries, some people, you trigger some people because you then start to realise, well, hang on a minute, obviously I was the giver for them and they kept taking from me, but now that I'm putting firm boundaries in place, actually that's, not an equal relationship anymore. So I've lost lots of friends over my time because I've started to put really firm boundaries in place, but I've realised that then those people were there in my life for the wrong reason, not the right reason. So, Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like you really know who your true friends are once you set boundaries and if they're like, oh, yeah, I totally support you. Yeah, totally. I understand. Those are your yeah. true friends, but the ones that are like... Meh all like nasty to you and giving yeah. you guilt trips those are not your friends <laughs> so yeah. it's just better for yeah. them just to dissolve slowly out of your your life <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and and that's that's another technique that I teach them for you know my business is wellness while working so when you put firm boundaries in place particularly if you're in high corporate roles at the end of the day I've always said if I turn my computer off and I don't 
check my phone until the next morning. Seriously, this place is not going to fall over. Like I am not that important that a whole organisation is going to fall over if I've not checked my emails in the afternoon. And honestly, if it was urgent, someone should have called me. Don't email me. You know, so by putting those firm boundaries in place too, I think that that really helps you to, um, particularly my clients that are trying to, you know, they've got that real guilt of trying to deal, uh, uh, go up the corporate ladder, but then try to balance the family and their time and all of that sort of stuff. I, I say to them, seriously, get out of your head and your ego because <laughs> if you turn your emails off at five o'clock because you've got family things to do and you've got to do things for yourself, if that place falls over, then there's too much reliant on you anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, it needs to be some sort of like a balance and boundaries, like you said, there in the in the work field and at home. <laughs> yes. Oh, everywhere. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Now, um, can you actually explain how theta healing and neurotransformation therapy work? <laughs> that sounds so interesting. <laughs> So theta healing is, so I'm an energy healer, so I work with energy and theta healing is um, working with the theta brainwave. So we are in a theta state between the ages of two and six, and that's where we actually take on all our belief systems. So as you can imagine, between the ages of two and six, they're not necessarily your belief systems. They're often your parents, your grandparents, cultural, ancestral maybe the neighbours, your friends' parents. And so we are constantly in this openness at that age of taking on all of these other belief systems that then we subconsciously have them through our lives and they may not just be what you need or maybe they don't resonate with you anymore or it just doesn't align with you as a person. So I'll give you an example um, of a client that I worked with last year she she had an Indi, she was Indian, Indian cultural. She grew up in India and then came to Australia. And she was in a very senior role within corporate in IT. Very, very good, very technical. But what she struggled with was when she was in meetings, that if her superior hadn't spoken to her first, she couldn't speak up. And when we worked on that, it was a cultural belief that actually if someone's more senior, you have to wait for them to address you first before you can speak up. And so we worked through those belief systems. And when we change belief systems, we change them for a positive. So, you know, things like it's safe for me to speak up. I'm not being uh, disrespectful to my culture if I speak up. You know, we, we change them to, to be positive. And it, we worked on this for about six weeks because it was quite embedded, you know, culturally and then through all her ancestry. It's not just this life, but it's all those ancestors. And um, after we finished, it took us about six weeks to sort of work through it all. And the week after she rang me and she said, you're not going to believe it. I got into the lift and my boss's boss was in the lift. And I spoke to him and I said, good morning. And she said it was the best feeling ever. So it was it was really lovely to hear that, that, you know, we're not, it's not about beating our parents up or being angry at our parents or our grandparents or anything like that. It's actually just thinking, do these belief systems actually sit with me or are they 
you know, culturally for her coming to Australia, those belief systems don't necessarily sit well here in Australia. Maybe when she goes back home, it may be a bit different, but she needed to work it out so that then she could use it in a working environment. So that's what theta, basically that's what theta healing is. That is yeah. sweet. Yeah, because my husband's Indian too. And so when he came here to the U.S., this is about maybe he's been here about 20 years now, <laughs> but um, he was blown away when, when my, my, my children, cause we have kids. Um, he has a son and I have two sons. And when my son was telling, you know, asking my brother, he would say, Hey James. And because he didn't call him uncle James, you know, uncle James. So isn't he supposed to call him uncle James? I said, well, yeah. you call him whatever you want. <laughs> Was, oh that'd be so looked down all over her eyes but I guess I have to get used to it I said yeah it's, it's whatever you know it happens <laughs> so yeah it is a cultural yeah. difference there yeah oh that's, yeah. that's funny but yeah that's really interesting and neurotransformation therapy NTT is um, I don't know whether your audience would know NLP so neuro-linguistic programming and so it's it's a different way of looking at it um, it deals a lot with trauma in people's lives and and a bit like um, it's a little bit like theta healing in the sense of we do timeline therapy so we'll go back in time to a moment where they've had some trauma. But the difference with NTT is that I don't get the person to go into the emotion. I get them to go up and watch the emotion. So depending on my clients, some clients are more than happy to go into the emotion and really feel it. And then other times clients don't want to feel it. They're happy to witness it and to heal it that way. So it's just a little bit of a different way that I can work with my clients and some clients don't want any of that they just want straight straight up and down health and wellness coaching I'm okay with that it's just depending on what the client wants and if they want to explore some different things so it's nice to be able to sort of offer a few different ways of working with clients because not everybody's the same so Right. I was just going to say that, yeah, everybody's different and they want maybe a different approach to their yeah. healing. And that's nice that you offer different things there. Everyone can just like, oh, if I didn't work, then let me try this one. Let's see if this one works yeah. better for me, you know, or you can yeah. do them all at the same time and see which one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you shared the a story about um the the client who was from India who came and transformed. Now you've worked with over ten thousand individuals. Wow, it's amazing. Um, but can you share some more stories of like the most impactful transformations you've witnessed? Hmm. Um. So it, it's really funny because I got asked this recently, and I'm like, well, I think that for my my story is pretty impactful. Oh yes, <laughs> actually yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I and I'm really proud of that. I've started to become quite proud of where I've come from, and you know how I've worked through things. Um. Ah. Oh, so uh, I had this this beautiful client that she. Uh, late 20s, early 30s, beautiful, beautiful soul, doing very well at work, but a little bit timid. And she actually won a promotion and she went from being in a team to actually then being the, the manager of the team. And so she came to me to work on, I loved this about when I was working with her. She wasn't overwhelmed. She wanted to make sure she didn't get overwhelmed. 
in the sense of how does she look after herself and her mental health and her well-being while leading a team so that then she's leading them in a really great way. And I, I really loved that because she she wanted to make sure that she was always showing up as her best self. And so we did my 12-week program and oh, where she started to where she came from, it's just amazing. But we worked on things and experiments through the weeks um, in relation to how does she boundaries because she had gone from working side by side with these people to now becoming their manager. So, you know, your boundaries change, they, they definitely change. We worked on things like how do you delegate? She was she she was not very good at delegating. Um, and so we worked on those sort of things. She got some really great techniques and we experimented with these of when she was sitting at her desk thinking, oh, I'm going to have to talk to one of the team members about something. So she put a little strategy in place that she would get up from her desk. She'd put the kettle on in the kitchen at work and then she'd go outside and she'd go for a walk around the block and come back just to clear her head because she realized that getting out of the office and away from her screen particularly when she had to speak to somebody or have a a, a deeper conversation or give some constructive feedback she really needed that clarity and she's just now shining she, it's 12 months it's probably more than 12 months on now and she's just oh the way that she's managing the team, leading the team. She's actually about to have a baby. So the team is devastated because they're like, oh, no, uh, make sure you come back and those sort of things. But she um, she just the, just the transformation. But I loved that she was so aware of where she was at and the fact that she didn't want to come to me when she was overwhelmed. She wanted to make sure she had the strategies to not even get there in the first place. And I really admired her for that. Uh, I think that it was just an amazing story and just a journey of her. So I, technically when I got trained as a health and wellness coach, I was always told you should tell your client that you're proud and because their journey, not yours, but really I always tell my clients that I'm proud of them because because I want to be encouraging and I, I do want to, like it comes from my heart. I'm so proud of all the journeys that they're on. And for her, I'm, uh, you know, I'm so proud that she is still, she, she messaged me the other day and she said, oh, such a big day. I've just put the kettle on and I've walked outside and gone for a walk and I've come back. So even after 12, 18 months, she's still, she's still got her strategies in place. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that because, you know, it, it doesn't it bring you joy when you see your clients like succeeding tremendously? You're like, wow, and it makes yeah. you feel good because they're the ones doing the work. But just yeah. knowing that you help somebody and you encourage somebody, you supported somebody, you were there for them when they felt like they could, it was like the end of the world, <laughs> but they still yeah. got through it. And that's I yeah. love hearing stories like that. And I'm sure yeah. her team was thriving because she was striving. You know, they always say you are a reflection or your whatever your team, however they're performing, is a reflection of how their leader is. And so <laughs> if you're struggling as a leader, you better go find Megan. Okay. <laughs> because yes. <laughs> then your your team will be thriving then. <laughs> definitely definitely yeah yeah yes. so you also mentioned being a mental health first aider can you elaborate on what this entails and how it benefits your clients sure so this is a thing in Australia our um 
we have a company called St. John's and it's a like first aid. So it, it's, you know, your first aid kits, you know, you're having, you know, if it's got bandages and those sort of things. But there's also another thing called a mental health first aider. And so what it is is that I'm professionally trained to be able to help people who may be in crisis or if they've got some mental health struggles. And so what it does is that it teaches you what are the signs of people who are struggling with their mental health or who are in crisis, but also then how do you deal with that? And one of the things that we learn and it's one of the things that I love to share with people is often people are really scared to ask people, are they okay? And I think it's because they're worried about what the response is. And then what is their accountability if someone responds and says, no, I'm not okay. But what we're taught as mental health first aiders is to ask somebody the question and if they say I'm not okay, then help them to get help from a professional. And so that it, we're kind of a, I can't, you, you're kind of a first point of contact and we are, we are trained and we have to re-accredit every two years. So it is like being a, a first aid person, um, but this is from a mental health first aid person. And so it's about seeing the signs, how can you help people, and also knowing where we can then point them in what direction. Um, and the, the it, it, it's not for everybody because it can be quite confronting. But one of the things that you do learn is that if you're talking to someone and they do say, I'm not okay, you actually, we, we're actually taught to ask them, are you considering ending your life? And it's a very powerful question for someone who actually could be because just being asked that, they've got to answer it. And sometimes it can often shift where they're at to actually have to admit it to themselves. And then you can then get them to, you know, you can call, you would be 911 in Australia, you would call triple O, you would call an ambulance straight away, you would call for help. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting way to look at people who do uh, who are suffering because as I said I think sometimes we we worry and we think oh my gosh if I ask them and they say they're not okay what does that mean do I have to fix them no you don't you just have to help them then to to get the the professional help that they need Right. Yes. And mm -hmm. even, you know, the children, because I have a 15 year old son. And for me, it's like his mental well-being is more important than his grades. I feel Absolutely. his mental state is very much more, very important. So I'm so happy that you, you do that. Like, you know, it's, it's hard for people to ask for help. So for somebody to ask them, Hey, are you, are you okay? Are you okay? And sometimes people will be like, Oh yeah, I'm okay. But some people will be like, Hey, no, I, I'm not okay. And then I'm, I'm happy that you can go ahead and give them the resources or lead them to a, someone who's professional who can actually really help them, especially if they have thoughts of suicide. Yeah, yes, so thank absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so how do you customize your program to meet the individual needs of your clients? Um, so in the group coaching program, I don't like it. I guess I have a 12 week program that we deal with one thing each week. But there are moments through the program where we can actually do some reflection and what's working for people and what isn't. So it's 
then making sure that the people that are signing up for the group coaching program understand what they're going to be dealing with each week. And the first week we deal with is boundaries because I go deep, like it's really, it's full on for the first week because what I believe is that if you don't have your boundaries in place, then the rest of the program isn't going to work because you're not going to have bravery and courage to put yourself first. You're not going to have the insight to be able to be self-aware. You're not going to look after yourself. You know, all of these things that we deal with after that, if your boundaries aren't firm in, in place, then all of this other stuff isn't going to work. So, but if I have someone that comes to me that just wants to work with me one-on-one, then I can take them through that program and say to them, do you want to go? Because some people don't like group coaching. Some people love it and some people like it individual. That's fine. So I say to them, look, you know, do you want me to take you down the path of what the group coaching program is? If they don't, then it's a, a conversation of, okay, what do you want to achieve? What What's the source of the overwhelm? What else do you want to achieve through that? So it's, it's, a, it's definitely just a very open conversation of how can I help you with where you're at at the moment and I I like that because some people like to come into the group coaching and just go okay week by week by week this is what we're dealing with whereas other people like to be a little bit more in flow intuit particularly if they're really intuitive then often they'll come to me and know exactly what they want to work on and that helps me then anyway yeah that's awesome yeah I love both group and individual (laughs) I, I yeah. love group too, because, you know, you're, you meet all these other women. Like I was in a um, business coaching group program and I absolutely loved it. I'm like, oh, cause we're all supporting each other. And it was an amazing experience, but then one-on-one it's like, okay, this is where I'm really have to like really focus and get my stuff done. Cause she's, she's watching me. She's watching me. Yeah. <laughs> so if, yeah. uh, if our listeners wanted to go ahead and find you on social media or follow you or even like work with you, how can they find you? So lots of different ways. So I have a web a website. So um, the business is called wellnesswhileworking.com.au. And then I have an Instagram and Facebook under Wellness While Working as well. So they can follow me on there. I'm also on LinkedIn. So I'm heavily involved in LinkedIn as well because I've got such a strong corporate background. You know, I've got a lot of connections and um, the stuff I put on LinkedIn and what I share and what I talk about is often a little bit different to Instagram or Facebook because, you know, the, each platform has a bit of a different feel to it. Um, but if they go onto my website, um, there is a contact me as well. And then they can just put, um, put a, an email through that way and then they can contact me. And what I can also do too is um, I have a, an ebook of 12 strategies to overcome the overwhelm. So if people email me, then I can I can share with them my ebook as well. So there's a few ways that they can contact me. That's amazing. Yeah, everyone wants to know strategies on how to overcome overwhelm. <laughs> yes. <And> hello. <laughs> no, uh, it's funny because you brought up LinkedIn. So I had a LinkedIn profile like since like 2007, but never used it because I was in the massage therapy business. I still am. And so for like 17 years almost. And it's funny because my husband, you know, because I do have a Facebook and I do have Instagram. And then my husband only uses LinkedIn. And then I said, oh, you know, so what is really LinkedIn all about? He's like, well, it's for professionals. <laughs> like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm 
well, what do you mean professionals? I'm a professional too. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was funny. That is funny. <laughs> and it, yeah, very funny. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, I made mine just extra professional now. <laughs> and it's really, it's really interesting because through COVID, the feel of LinkedIn actually shifted because people were actually putting more personal stories on LinkedIn. And it was quite interesting to talk to people saying, oh, I'm not too sure about that. But the to me, there was that true vulnerability of some people who were really struggling and actually depending on what area you work in, well, actually it doesn't even depend on what area I think vulnerability and people being authentic, I think, is the most powerful thing that we can be as women, as professionals, as humans, because we are having a human experience. And my life, even though it's pretty great now, I still have moments where I don't have a great day. I still have moments where I need to feel into what's happening. My little tip, though, is to it's okay to feel it and to sit with it, but just don't unpack your bags and stay there because that's not good for your mental health. But, you know, I, I think that the more vulnerable and the more open and the more authentic that we can be, the bigger the change that we can make. Absolutely. It's just like your story, you know, <laughs> we all should be proud of our story of what we've come, yes. how far we've come along, because it's very powerful. And when we share our story, it makes the other people be like, wow, okay, if they could go through that, and I'm going through that, and they overcame that, I can do it too. Yeah, so it is amazing. And they can do it. Oh, my goodness, you'd be surprised Absolutely. at what you can yeah. do with life. Seriously, you, you <laughs> let your spirit be led by the spirit and not the ego. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Although you still have to have a little bit of ego. Yes. Because if my ego was completely to the side, I wouldn't be here talking about myself then, right? So <laughs> I love that. I love that. You have That's a little true. bit of ego. <laughs> Oh yeah, and then sometimes my my super ego I just it comes out once in a while. Like, oh, there she is! Whoa, <laughs> she's still there. <laughs> oh, but it was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Megan. Uh, and um, any last words at all, or any other last thoughts? Um, can I just talk about my leading self tool Absolutely. so that we can share it with the group? Absolutely. So the leading self tool was the one that came to me after I, um, in 2014, when I was dealing with everything and, and trying to get through and how do I lead myself out of the situation that I was in. So the S stands for sense. So sense what is going on for you at that time. What can you hear, feel? Is there, an, is there a sensation going on in your body? Is maybe your eyes are flickering? You know, if you've got a ringing in your ears, something like that, but sense what you can feel. And then the next E is emotion. So S for sense, E for emotion. So what is the actual emotion that you're dealing with at that time? So for me that night that I had the moment with my mum, grief was my biggest emotion. So I find that if you can name the emotion, then you you kind of own it. You know, you, you're going, okay, now it's got a name. Now I know that this is what I'm feeling and what it is is grief. Then the L, so S-E-L, so the L is learn. So then learn everything you can about that emotion. So what is it doing to your body? What are the good things it's doing? What are the bad things? What is the effect that it's having on your body? 
But not only learn that, it's then learn how can you deal with this emotion? So what support is there for you? Can you go and see your doctor? Can they put you on to a counsellor? Is there perhaps some community centres around that are offering community um, counselling or support groups? Do you know a friend that has been going through, say for me, you know, I was dealing with grief. Who else do I know in my, you know, my um, my proximity that I know has dealt with grief before? And I know that actually two people that were in my proximity had lost their mothers previously. And so I felt a real connection to them because I they knew what I was going through. And so it was it was all about then, you know, that toolkit that I was talking about. What are all the tools that I can now put in this kit in relation to the, the, the emotion of grief? And then FF, so S-E-L-F-F, the FF is future focused. So when I feel this come up again, I'm feeling, oh, okay, that's weird. When I feel grief, I actually have a ringing in my ear. So I think, oh, okay, I've got that ringing. Hmm, okay. I can feel the emotion of grief coming up. What is in my little toolkit that I can use to help me to deal with that emotion at that time? And what I've found is that I now have a tool and a strategy for every emotion. And what I also found is that I have learned so much about myself and my body because I've got these little strategies for each time something comes up in my life. So anger, frustration, those sort of things. And then what it does is that you're so in tune with who you are as a person, energetically, physically, emotionally, then you start to go, hmm, okay, so that person just said that to me and that's triggered this emotion and I'm feeling this, okay, why has that triggered that? And then it helps you also then to possibly do some inner work on what else is there that I need to heal or I need to work through. So the leading self is just a beautiful tool that people can use and I'm trying to share it to as many people as I can and not just adults but and women in business but children as well because the more we get to know ourselves and how we deal with emotion the less then you'll get into that overwhelmed state and you might actually just be able to keep it into something that you can manage yourself. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's amazing. Oh, what a blessing to have you on. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I loved it. It's such a beautiful <laughs> conversation. Yes, I know it's going to help many, many of our listeners for sure. Again, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, sending love and, and hugs and, and everything else in between to everybody that's listening and to you as well. Thank you. <laughs> to my cherished listeners, from the very depths of my heart, thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts. And it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. 
Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's G-I-F-T at 1-855-649-6196. With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.